Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man. Hey all, Stephen here and welcome to episode 58 of the Unearthed Man podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Tyler. I loved his insights on making conscious choices in life. Now, I had the privilege last night to drive down the south coast of Victoria and check out a remarkable natural occurrence in the ocean. The waves were lit up as if someone had installed a set of LED lights that triggered every time a wave broke against the shoreline. Then as the water rolled up the beach under your feet, it was again as if someone had installed movement-activated LED lights in the sand. So as you moved your feet up and down, these lights started to glow in the sand. Now, this natural phenomenon is called bioluminescence. It occurs when algae spores in the ocean. During the day, you can see the pink algae, which turns luminescent blue at nighttime. Now, while standing there in awe at the beauty of nature, I could not help but think about this event and what that would have meant to the traditional custodians of land and what ceremonies this may have triggered based on the natural occurring event. Now, that's why I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this unceded land and pay respect to the elders past, present, due to the fact that they would have seen this as an event and actually called everyone together. So I respect that what we're seeing now has gone on for thousands and thousands of years. Now, as a quick thing, don't forget to share the love with our sponsor, Surf Coast Wellness Rooms, based in Torquay, Victoria, Australia. Now, as I said earlier, men, we spend much of our time looking after everyone else and caring for other people, and we don't spend time on our own self-care. So now you have an opportunity to change your lap. Use the code THEUNEARTHEDMAN10 at the time of booking. You'll get a 10% discount on any of their services, including float tanks, infrared saunas, massages, and salt therapy. Um, And because it's down near the beach, great way to go down, spend a day at the beach with the family. You duck off, have a bit of a therapy, and then come back. A quick few things to run through before we kick in with today's guest who I'm super excited to be chatting with. First up, the Unearthed Men community. So it's made up of men willing to support and be supported by other men. It continues to grow. We've got 50 plus men now part of this active community, which is awesome. So if you are a man or know of a man who is seeking his tribe or his community, then please use the link in the show notes below to sign up. Alternatively, you can send me a message via any of my social media channels. Secondly, please subscribe to the podcast. I, I can't ask this enough. There's a lot of time and effort from myself and my guests to go into this. It literally will take you two minutes to jump on, give us a five-star review and leave a bit of a comment. And the more five-star reviews you get, the podcast goes up in the charts and this becomes more accessible to more men and more women across the world. So let's jump. I'll ask him to jump on and do that. And the last one, if you are a man struggling with daily grind, have constant feelings of guilt, shame, or anxiety, or feeling irritated or frustrated, and you just feel that you've lost track of who you are and you've got that deeper inner feeling, there's got to be more to life than this. Then I've got expressions of interest open at the moment for my eight-week men's empowerment program. Now, I only take 10 men in for every eight-week program. So if you're interested and you're going, oh, really, it's time for me to actually take a step up and look at my life and do something completely different or get rid of this nagging feeling in my stomach, then jump on, click on the wait list below because it does actually fill up fast. Now, into my, under my, sorry, onto today's episode. My guest today describes himself as an emerging elder, reculturing the leaders of the Western world. He's intuitively tapped into a unique stream of ancient and emergent wisdom that is being called forward in these times. He moves in the world as a speaker, mentor, facilitator, and frontier community leader. Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, Matthew Liam Gardner. Hey, buddy, how are you? 
Hey, Stephen. So nice to be here, mate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. It really special. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. And as um, I spoke with Matthew a little bit earlier, we um, I've watched his amazing journey. And, and as I've emerged, as most people have heard my stories, I've sort of come out and been more open and inquiry-minded than everything else. I've just watched this great, uh, I suppose, journey as Matthew's is, you know, I see him as just standing in his true power and knowing exactly who he is as a man. And I, I get inspired by him. He's he brings in, he calls a lot of other people into his world, but not as a yeah, as a way to actually share their skills and 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 the medicine and the healing that they've got. And so as a leader, that's what he does around. So I've been he's been on my list for probably the last year or so to reach out. And funny enough, he put up a post on Facebook, I think something about a podcast. And I'm like, I mean, Matt, you gotta jump on this one. So Matthew, great to have you on board. Um Let's have a bit of a chat about your journey. So uh, I'd, I'd love that, and I just want to say, mate, before we begin, that um, you know, I really, um, I really appreciate what you're doing in the world. I really appreciate the just you know hearing the introduction and hearing the the love that you kind of be in for the men of the world right now. It feels really important, and yeah, just just honouring you and your work. It's um, it's a real joy to kind of look around and take in, you know, my brothers who were who were really paving the new paths. So thank you. No, thanks, man. I really appreciate that feedback. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, so your journey, man, let's uh, have a bit of a chat. What does it look like for you? Uh, well, what does it look like in these times? It's been, um, well, I mean, we're in the middle of a collective initiation right now. You know, I think that everyone's, everyone who's listening has, has worked that out. So, uh, it feels like, you know, who a lot of us were five years ago is very different to the beings that we are today. Um, that's what I experience when I sit down, you know, eye to eye with people. And in these times, it feels like there's been a real um, speeding up of our personal evolutions. Mm. And, um, you know, things are getting pretty wild out there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, getting, it's getting more and more wild as time goes on. And I think it's going to keep on that um, same track. Um, so for me, it's been a case of um, really, really learning to listen, really learning to listen, really learning to listen to myself, really listen, learning to listen to the other or, you know, the other beings that aren't myself and um, beginning to slowly build a bit of a relationship with this great round rock that we um, have the, the, the great privilege of um, being the children and the custodians of all at once. And so, um, yeah, I've just been listening, mate. I've been listening a lot these last few years, really um, being finding myself prepared to face the tension as I listen of letting myself become something that um, – something new, you know, something new in myself, letting myself become something that I wasn't just one season before. And so there's this real, it feels almost like a free fall in some ways, a, fr a free fall into um, everything I've always been, but um, haven't found its way into the surface yep. of our world, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been such an incredible journey that's been, you know, I, it's, you know it's, like, it's like coming into full power while also being humbled to my knees yeah. <laughs> all, 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 all at once, you know? And so that's, that's the real human experience of these last couple of years. And I find myself um, constantly realizing more and more just how little I am. 
just you know they say some of the, the old sayings are that the more that you know the less the more you realize the less you know yes, <laughs> you know that one it's like yes. and there's there's something about coming deeper into into my life and just any human coming deeper into their life where i feel like we start to we almost have to start to soften some of the things that we had decided once upon a time were how this world works and what it means to be a person what it means to be a human being and as those things as we soften that it's almost like the the revelations can seep in through the cracks you know like the the deeper understanding of what it is to be a human being what it is to be a man what it is to be alive in these times can kind of find its way through the cracks that we allow to open up in our being a little bit you know when we kind of soft because the, the shells can be hard brother uh, you know yeah. the armor the armor over a lifetime can be can be thick and um yeah so as i listen more i'm just learning to open some cracks in that armor let some of the 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 deeper listenings through and it's been a real adventure awesome i, I love that um it- <laughs> So many things you've just just touched through on there, but I, I, let's start with the armor. Um, I know I had my armor broken open um, back end of 2019, and it's such an enlightening experience when we go through that. And, and when we talk about that armor being broken, it's just it's just understanding. Us. I suppose it's like because a lot of our listeners may not sit as deep in the spiritual spaces that we operate in, right? So I always try to bring it back into maybe a languaging for you know, uh, so, some of the listeners. And for me, it was like just learning to go, it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to actually tap, not hide the emotion, but when that emotion comes up, ask the question, what is it that you're asking me? Like, where is it coming from? And, and often when we do the communities or the different groups, we're not here to blow people apart. What we do, as you just said, we just there to put a little crack, and, and and often you know it's it's that little crack is where that light shines in, and where that light shines in is where the magic is, and and so it's it's being able to tap onto that. Let let me double back a little bit to you spoke about the start like a collective initiative, and and, and yes, in the last particularly in the last two or three years, like the acceleration of this opening awareness collective initiative starting to come in. So what, what's your definition of a collective initiative and what do you see that looking like? Yeah, it's a great question. A collective initiative. So so the the metaphor that I like to, there's a few metaphors I like to think of in, in regards to this, but one of them is that if you picture like us all a part of this this kind of web this kind of vast web that stretches over the world and each of the points on the web, each of the little crossroads is one of us human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that when, when enough of us move in one direction, that there is tension on the rest of the web. There's kind of like we, the, the web itself can kind of move and change shape. And, um, and so I see these collective initiatives as as us on a on a larger and larger scales learning how to dream together and learning how to be in this world together and learning how to create uh, beauty or just good solid supporting of life systems in this world and systems relationships just anything that actually genuinely supports life so I see these collective initiatives that I've done and that I see out in the world as it's almost like us practicing 
how to be on the earth together and just tentatively beginning to see what we're capable of, mm. see what we can dream into existence. And you'll notice that a lot of the initiatives, mine and others, they, they come, they have their moment of, of their, their peak moment and then they often they'll drift kind of off again and come to a close and it's almost like a yeah. wave, you know, it kind of they're, they're these rhythmic and each one there's more learning and each one some like we get a little closer to what's true and what's life-giving. And sometimes, ever so often, if the moon is, you know, blue, um, there's, a, there's an initiative that sticks around and it becomes more than an initiative. It becomes a part of the fabric of our, of our world. And I think that that's what I'm learning to do and what I'm learning to do with other leaders and, and other com and communities is learning to really bring, to create change in the world, to bring beauty into our world and to do it in a way that um, I, th I think a lot's been forgotten over the over thousands of years and i think that once upon a time that we were a lot better at creating together and dreaming together i think things like the pyramids and the stone circles and like just these va you know these vast blocks of <laughs> of like uh, rock and wood and just these vast legacy pieces uh, i think they're a testament to what we've been able to do in mm. in the history of humanity and i'm really curious about what it is to create legacy together um, now and to remember a little of how we did those things by just being in the practice of doing it. So for me, these collective initiations are, are like, they're like practicing what, practicing the dreaming. They're practicing, yeah. you know, dreaming the world, dreaming our reality together. And I think, you know, in the Piscean age, I don't want to get too complicated here, but in the, the like the last 2000 years, the kind of core theme is this theme of, on our own, working it out on our own, the, you know, the lone wolf, the, yep. um, you know, the even like individual figures at the top, like the Jesus figure at the top. And now we move, we transition out of the Piscean age into the Aquarian age. And it's more of like the, you know, there's, there's wisdom in the hearts of all, and there's a need for not just this top down leadership, but also this, the, the inspiration in everyone's heart and the wisdom in everyone's heart to come forward and, to it, and the alchemy of all those hearts coming together is what creates the world we're dreaming. So we're learning to do that. Yeah. And I just, these, for me, these collective initiations are a space where we, we can, you know, they had their individual themes, but on a wider scale, it's opportunities for us to learn to bring our own heart to the table. And, um, you know, the, you know, as a, as a leader, you could call me, I'm, still working out how to hold spaces and communities and fields within which all hearts and the wisdoms inside all beings have a place at the table. I don't think it's a, it's not a thing that's been handed down through the generations. You know, it's got lost at some point. So I'm, I'm rather than being a master of it, I'm, I'm a student learning how to be in this world and how to create and dream in this world. And it's just the adventure of a lifetime really. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more, I, I, and I will go back to what you said earlier. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know, and and, and I love that. And, and it's the same thing. Like I've run a, a lot of spent a lot of time in understanding, you know, cultures from thousands of years ago, not hundreds of years ago, but thousands of years ago, and how they used to operate, you know, in this land and in other lands. And you know, you talked about the pyramids and and the stone circles. I mean, you just got to look at the Mayan, so Mesoamerica, and the man of what is now they're discovering through all these heat maps and everything else, the, the extensiveness of, 
you know, just the buildings and the pyramids and how those things used to actually operate that, you know, you give to any engineer coming out of uni today and he'd have no idea how to start to build. Yeah, but this was thousands and thousands. And and they used to have, you know, what people don't understand is that our education system um, is only a few hundred years old and it was all based on the industrial revolution of we need people to be trained on how to go to a factory eight to five every single day. Well, how do you do that? You start them at school. And you do that. And, and the amount of ancient scripts that have been burnt and destroyed, because in the old days, philosophers would sit around, but they would welcome anyone. And if a young child sat there and, and questioned or put up questions, they actually saw them as bringing wisdom to the table, not you are to be sit down in the back and, and listen to what I've told and, you know, don't question what I'm doing or saying. And so I, I agree, like, um, you know, we, a lot of our world in the last two thousand years has been generated by you know single figure people, prime ministers, you know presidents, and everything else. And the more we can now get back to collective. Um, the other element too for me is, you know, I'm learning more and more about this, this energy connection and how energy works and how we are just all finite, you know, nanoparticles of energy. And for me, this collective initiative is here is. Here's this massive, positive, powerful energy group that's coming together. And what we know is that you can, you know, you you, you don't need a lot of people to get it, get together to create this massive, powerful, positive energy that can actually circumvent thousands of people and thousands of negative ions that are out there. And so, you know, that's also where we're going to start to understand. Um, and, and sorry, I just want to go back to something. My perspective on life is, you know, if I get to live 80 years, that's fantastic. But we've been here for 80 billion years, right? So we've got to put life in perspective. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> you know, at which part of this 80 years in this life are you going to make a difference? You know, like, what is it? Do you just going to go through and just be, you know, just the mundane world and at the end you've, you've done nothing? Or, you, you know, what can you do to crack your own armor or find a way to, to crack your armor? Um I do want to take a step back because I think as you spoke about, you know, your armor, you know, you found little cracks and you're working through those and we're breaking all that. So when we're born, we, we don't have armor. Somewhere along our life, we have this, you know, belief systems and conditioning that sort of builds up the armor around us. And then later in life, you know, there's a number of people who realize, hang on a minute, that's not quite right. So can we take a step further back and go what does that look like for you? And like, what was growing up look like? Were you, were you in a spiritual family? Were you in a non-spiritual? And at what point did you realize, hang on, there is more to my life and I'm, I've got more to offer and bring to the table than maybe what you know, I was asked previously? Yeah, thanks for the question. So there's been so many different like layers of incarnation for me or layers of, of like awakening or deeper arrival. Um, or just significant moments, you know, like they're almost like the, the turning of the page and the chapters of my life. I can almost yep. pinpoint them. Um, probably my my first major one, that, I mean, that's here present with me right now anyway, is um, I, I was, at, so at six, I was the eldest son in a fatherless family. Um, my dad, my parents split and my dad went to Papua New Guinea. Um, and so I was the eldest in my eldest son and I really some little piece of my heart some little part of my being just knew my love for my brothers and and knew some kind of like responsibility that I had as 
um, as just being a the big brother or some there was some kind of leadership innate kind of mm -hmm. the, you know the, the who's the oldest in the village he's the oldest okay pull your weight a little bit you know and so for, for me what I made that mean was that um, I just got really curious about what was real in the world you know I think as kids we can feel the distortions in 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 the world the illusion some call it we can kind of feel, oh, this isn't quite right. There's, you know, like going through school, for instance, like the stuff they teach you and the way it gets taught. It's like, oh, this does just not, it's this six-year-old me was all over it. He's like, there's something not right here. And so my family as a whole wasn't a particularly spiritual family. They were very impassioned, like a sport family, you know, like the, the sort that like teach, I got taught to rip in. I got taught to like grab the ball and rip it with all my, my strength. I got taught to like push hard and I got taught to, like find my edges and then explore what's what's after that what's after my edges um and yeah so i was very lucky to be to be raised in this a culture of like bringing all of ourselves to the sporting field um but it was somewhere in in, in that space between bringing all of myself and and then also like wanting to question what's real and what's true and what it really means to like, what is all this? You know, like what, what, no one's really brought, pulled me aside and taught me what all this is. So I had to get curious myself. And, um, and I, and on behalf of my brothers, that was the inspiration. It's like, oh, I've got to like, you know, I've got to find a way to the truth for us and kind of like lead us to the truth. That was what a six-year-old me made it mean. Um, probably not my words at the time, but <laughs> something, something like that was in my little heart. Um, and so just that journey that journey of like being inspired and, and bringing all of myself and having like a deep passion inside me that I brought to all things. And then having this, like this curiosity and this quest for truth, mm. it was, like those together is what created my, my early inspiration. And, and I was lucky. Like, I, I really feel like I, like in some ways it feels like I'm one of the stories where, you know, I was like a wildflower that grew in kind of a swampland, <laughs> like in a, in a, you know, like there was the, there was the passion, but there wasn't much divinity. There wasn't much culture. You know, we didn't listen to music in our house ever. Really, I didn't start listening to music until my kind of mid early, early mid teens, and so there was just like this uh, this this void that I really got to experience. That I really got to experience the silence and and time on my, a lot of time on my own, a lot of time in my own space as a as a child, and um, but that time in silence and that time in isolation and that time without much sound happening kind of it did build my relationship with the silence and it was part of what in the early days taught me to to listen to the things that you have to listen really deeply to hear um so yeah that was that's a little bit of the the beginning story. Are there any pieces that you'd like me to speak to specifically? Uh, I, I like the I like the element about the silence. Um because our world today is so distracted, uh, you know, by what's going on. And, you know, one of the, I was talking to someone, um, I actually went and did a sound healing uh, breath work session the other, the other day. And um, you know, one of the things that I, I was talking to them about is that I recently went, we had a massive rainstorm come through and the tide had come up as well. So tide had come up and the tide was going out. And what had happened is that in between the rainstorms, I went for to go for a run. And when I got down to the beach, the beach was dimpled. Like, but there's no one on the beach. 
And so I'm just walking along, just feeling this dimpled sensation on my bare feet because I'm now been to run bare feet and everything else. So I'm really connecting back in. And and then I just yeah, and it just helps me realize that whenever I go for a walk along the beach, how many people are wearing shoes and how many people have got the headphones in and how many people are walking. It's okay to walk with someone else, but I just wonder how many people can actually just go and just be present in silence and just be present with the thoughts that are going on your head and then be even further present with how do I remove those thoughts, not ignore them or or dismiss them, but how can I actually even go to the point of my thoughts are the sensation on my feet and the crashing of the waves and everything else. So, you know, for you, you know, that silence, it, it was probably a gift I would suggest provided to you at such a young age. Did you see it as that way? I mean, as a kid, I hated it. You know, like I, it was so lonely. It was so, you know, as is often the case, the the caves that we fear or the caves that we least enjoy are the places that hold the treasure that feed us for a lifetime um, or inspire us for a lifetime at least. So really, for me, it really was a, like you could, you could probably, if I had have been diagnosed, you could have like put a label of, like some pretty severe depression, <laughs> you know, that I, that I had to find my way through like four years of like fatherless eldest child without a role model, finding how to be a young man into the world on his own, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was quite a, quite a devastating. I mean, it's a story that's pretty common these days as well, you know. It's not, this isn't just my story. It's lots of men's stories, lots of women's stories as well. This idea of having to find our own way in the world, um, yeah. And so I, I froze. Re- I really froze in some way. And there was there was like the passion. It's, it's, it's all at once for all of us. You know, it's like you can be inspired, but you can also be terrified. You know, it's all it all kind of can exist all at once. And so for me, as a, as a kid, there was um, this, this great sadness and this great longing um, and, and a depression of sorts. But also on the flip side within that and it's often the case in a life as well within the grief is the gold mm. you know within the within like the i didn't even know how to suppress my emotions as a kid you know <laughs> like to begin with so it was just like grief just embodied grief a lot of the time and so somewhere within that grief there's also and it's the same for us these days there's gold there's you know there's there's treasure there's that's why they say go into the wound don't run from it mm. you know it's and and as a, as men we've got very good just as a whole general generally really good at sucking it up really good like we're the best numbers we're so good at numbing you know we can like put like a numb something over that wound and pretend it's not there for years <laughs> um, and i learned that as a kid as well um slowly just in the grief learning how to like get my head above it um, but I think I'm still, you know, I continue to, and a lot of us do, I'm, I continue to like, to dance with, dance with these demons, dance with the, the, that, that journey of what is it to be a human? What is it to be a man? You know, and I have, I have my own senses these days. Um, but I think it's a line of inquiry that just continues to crack the edge you know we continue to learn more we continue to deepen because we're not just asking the question what is it to be a man we're also asking the question like what is it to grow old what is it to become elder what is it to deepen into life and it just it's such a um there's so many magical layers to this 
But um, I, I think that our, our minds can't necessarily work it all out. Sometimes we have to be initiated by the grief, you yes. know, like the grief almost cracks us into, into a knowing that's, that's deeper than, yeah. than the mind can even make form. And I had that as a kid. So, so just on that point then, like, so, you know, and, and you're so spot on, you know, yeah, yeah, we are the great insulators of emotion. Like, how far can I push it down? And by the way, all the men, if you think you can numb it and push it down, it's going to come back and bite you on the ass at somewhere. That's when all of a sudden you crack up at the guy who pulled out you in the car park. That's when you all of a sudden get angry in the meeting. That's when you know, all these things, you wonder where they come from. You know, it's because this thing found its way up through your numbing uh, process and your insulation may not have been as good as what you thought it was. Um and celebrate the fact it came out, right? That's that's if you're getting those things happen to you, that's the first signal to say, I'm now going to go and talk to other men and see what I can actually do. But back on what you're saying to Matthew is um, so how did you work through that? Because as you said, like silence can be a gift, but it can also be, you know, as you said, a lot of grieving, everything else. So what have you done to help not be in, in the suppression mode and what have you done to help release a lot of those emotions and actually work through a lot of that grief um, through that period of time? Yeah, well, I, I want to begin that by being really real about the fact that I, I think some of these things are a lifetime journey. You know, I, I, I think uh, I think a lot of, um, you know, I'm not a clean vessel. You know, I, I have my moments. <laughs> I, have my, I have my moments, but I... I um, but I also think that there's a, there's a maturity in being able to turn towards that and name it. You know, there's a maturity to being like, I'm in, I'm in my, I'm in a lifelong unfolding here. I'm in a lifelong, um, uh, alchemizing of this trauma. Often what's happened throughout my life is the greatest pains have been the greatest teachers and the, the very things that have caught me, you know, I've, I've spent, oh, Get shivers thinking. I've spent just just years at a time caught, and I call them. I call it like the shamanic merry-go-round. <laughs> it's like being stuck. You know, it's like it's like the stuck in a thought or stuck in a, a, a an ecosystem of life, a moment in life that I just can't seem to get out of. It just seems like it just has me captured. I'm like caged in this particular chapter of life, and and. Um, what I learned, maybe this is answering, answering your question in kind of a bit of a mystical way, but what I learned was when I stopped trying so hard to escape the cage and like just try and rip at the iron bars and pull myself out, um, when, I, when I stopped trying to get out of the cage and turn to look at why I was in there in the first place and, and actually turn my gaze towards the tenderness and the sadness and just an honesty, the honesty, brother, like to, to turn my gaze towards the honest fact that I was hurting, that my father wasn't a part of my life. Mm. It hurt and it hurt so bad. And, and I, I, so, I, yeah, I learned honesty. I learned over time and I'm, I've got better the last five years in particular to be honest with myself, you know, and that's the, that's that honesty is what, it, I feel like it, in itself, there's there's an alchemy for the fracturing inside me just in being real about it, just in being like, no, I am a bit tender there, mm. you know. No, I like, and so so I've I've been cracked rather than being cracked into 
um, being totally healed. I've been cracked into intimacy with my rawness. And so I'm not, I'm not healed. I'm raw. Yes. That's where I'm at in, in the story of my life. I'm raw. But the beauty of that rawness is I'm beginning to like touch my soul because I'm not turning away from the rawness. I'm, my soul's beginning to find its way into this world. My poetry's changing. You know, you could, you could almost, if you go and w- read my poetry or any of my writings the last few years, you'll, you can literally see this develop, this soul developing itself in the world coming through. And it's only coming through because I'm turning towards the rawness. I'm yeah. turning towards the tenderness. Um, and that's what I, that's the same as what's been the theme my whole life. Whenever I turn towards the tenderness, whenever I be really, not just, not just like look at the wound, but whenever I dive into it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, this, this, this is part of the, the great alchemies of our time, the somatic processing and the, you know, the shamanic processing. Whenever I dive into the wound, I find myself like, that's the, that's what, that's a man. That is a man, someone who can dive into the wound and not turn away from it. Now we're starting to like, that's, that's like the maturing process, you know, to be honest with ourselves about what, what, what's inside us. We put so much shame on us. You know, I've put so much shame on myself over the years. Shame. Oh, I'm broken. I can't, I'll look away from that. I won't dive into that, but there's just, there's something about being able to rest in the wound trusting that it's alchemizing just being in there and so yeah you have to withstand some pain and some shake and and shame and just all the emergent feelings that come with the human experience of the pain but the result is becoming a being who's honest Mm. and becoming a being who women trust you know that kids trust they can feel it they can feel oh this person's not kidding themselves (laughs) this person isn't yeah this person oh they they kind of know that they've that they're a bit tender you know one of my one of my lifelong things is that i've had a little bit of a i've had the occasional and sometimes more than occasional um leaky fire you know it's been it's it continues to get better but there's been moments where i really like i've i've burnt down some buildings and some friendships and relationships with that fire just kind of leaking a little bit too loudly into the space. Um, and so there was a time when I wasn't present to the leaky fire. I didn't know that I was, you know, bringing so much heat to the exchanges, so much. Um, it, it's, it's almost like overactive passion, really. Like it's a little bit too much. There needs to be a respect for the other being. There needs to be a holding of their experience as well. I didn't know I was being overactive leaky. And then I, I, when I learned that that's how I operated and that was one of my like mechanisms, I could just kind of be real about it. And even though it, it, and it's, it's healing over time, it's alchemizing over time, but it's still here with me, you know, and even though it hasn't fully um, transitioned out of my life, just by being um, honest about it and, 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 and not pretending it's not there, um, I've become safer, a safer place, a safer yes. space. And a, um, yeah, a, a, it's, it's what embodiment is. You know, there's this journey. The journey of embodiment doesn't mean everything has to be healed. It just means we have to be honest about what is. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm on that journey. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, the, the thing that came up for me in the background, um, every night now I've been listening to this 13-minute, uh, I, I just listened to the, the audio part of the YouTube and it's about the 22nd gene key, which is about grace. 
And, and one of the things that goes in there is that it's about, you know, every time we, we, we're not honest with ourselves, we're actually dishonoring ourselves. Every time we're not taking accountability and responsibility for what takes place in our life, we're dishonoring ourselves. And there's a point where we have to honor dishonor. And I really love that saying, which is you just be honest that you're being dishonest, you know, and don't. And, and it also says we can't shirk our responsibilities and we can't shirk our, you know, our destiny, if you like, or, or what's playing out for us. And so I agree with you. The embodiment isn't I become embodied when I'm healed. Embodiment is I'm on a healing process. And this process will continue into started before this human body was formed and will continue post when I exit this human body. And so at the deepest level, the, the, the soul, I was talking to someone the other day um, and I just, I just to trigger their thoughts because this is a man who's just starting a bit of a journey with me. And, and I just said to him, who's listening to the person who's anxious? Like, how do you know that you've got anxiety? Like, you're telling me. So, but who's listening to the thoughts in your head? And he's like, oh, oh hang on a minute. And he just tricked. He's like, I said, yeah, there's someone listening to those thoughts that's not you because you're aware that you're actually having all these thoughts in your head. That's your deeper soul. And, and, and so for me, that's, you know, that's that whole journey about where, where, where we can go on and where we can start to work our way through, which is, just be open and honest with those interactions. You know, if we, I, I like your terminology about that, the leaky fire. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've set up some pretty good bushfires <laughs> over my period of time with my, with my, with my wife and my kids and, and, and other families, everything else sort of thing. Um, the other thing that I just, that you touched on and just to go on is, you know, things around we often, go into guilt mode or shame mode when some of these emotions come up or if we want to, as you just to go back to your example about, you know, being really shitty and pissed off and angry about the fact you didn't have a dad in your life. Now, sometimes we can feel guilt or shame about it, but then we can actually go into the other mode, which is actually going to inquiry mode and compassion mode, but also go, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay, it's okay to be disappointed. And in fact, with the right level of compassion and the right level of candor, it's actually okay to go back and approach that person if they end up back in your life or if you had a torrid relationship with your father and you're a bit estranged and you need to go back. It's okay to go, hey, with all my heart, I love you and I love everything you did for me. You didn't have a rule book, but I fucking hated all of these things that took place in my life when we grew up. Don't get me wrong, they were events, but this is just a clearing exercise. And you'd be amazed, I think, on how the other person responds because often that releases them from that. They've been carrying a lot of weight and heaviness and guilt themselves because they've remembered a similar event. And and so, yeah, so I just want to touch back on that point that you raised, which I think is I just didn't want to wash over. It's super powerful that – it's okay to look back and touch in on that child and go, yeah, I hear you. It's okay for you to be really shitty and angry. And in fact, as this adult, in some cases, in this adult child that I am today, there's the the man child, there's the man, and then there's the adult child that I still play out on. It's okay to for that to come up, but I'm going to take you on this journey of 
embodiment and show you love. And for me, the crack is the crack is those letting love come into our life and allowing love to come out of our life. And and the bigger the crack, the more love can come come in and out. Yeah, I really feel that, mate. I really feel that. So yeah. let's sort of move a bit forward because as, as we spoke about earlier, the one thing I'm really noticing and and you know, and without leading you, but there feels a connection between maybe, you know, you starting very young as a leader, but feeling this isolation and, and this levels of silence, and now being a leader of creating these communities as to, you know, is there a connection between those two? In other words, I'm now, this is how part of my healing process, because I'm actually creating this as what I didn't have. So I'm bringing this to the table. Plus also what's currently happening in this wonderful world of you gathering all these other, you know, souls are on a similar journey. Yeah. Thank you. Great questions. Um, so yes, I think it, I, I, I feel it's connected. Uh, I feel I feel that for all of us, our pains, like, like we're all sensory beings. You know, we, we are all so much more sensory, sensorial than we like to pretend that we are. We really are these, these you know, our nervous system is just billions of sensory points, you know, engaging our reality. And so we're all like all the things that are off or wrong or feel bad or our, you know, just our journey through a lot of them, at least there are us working out what the world is supposed to be. It's part of the, the world's evolution as a, as a whole. It's part of the collective evolution, humans, and then just the civilization we build on top of the earth. And so we're supposed to be instructed by this. We're supposed to be led by our experience. We're supposed to, um, you know, not necessarily just be like, oh, that's how it is but to to listen within what is and be like oh this is what could be i can feel you know i don't know about you but i can feel in my body i have some distant sense somewhere down there of what it really feels to be a human being in full form you know and and, and what it really feels to be a human being in uh, a held by an ecosystem and a community of love and so all the things I experienced as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, I've taken them to be my instructions in this lifetime. They're my instructions. They're, that's, they're part of the, they're part of the, where my, where the creator, if you want to call it creator, where creator has turned my gaze and said, this is the way you, this is, this is your challenges. Go work out how to solve, how to like bring them to the world in a different way. And so by being in the challenge, I've got to be really intimate with the, what you could call what isn't fully formed in the world. And so my being gets to devote my life in some ways to, to the alchemy of those within the greater field. So uh, short answer is I think that our challenges inform our, who we are here to be. Yep. And it's, it's some of the, the clearest instructions we can get is what has been brutally hard for us in this lifetime. And then what would it look like if it wasn't like that? Like what would, how would that not be for the next generation or for seven generations for now? And so, especially as men and as, as fathers and as uh, grandfathers and all, even if not men who have their own children, but as fathers of all men who take on the role of, of uh, a holding and a leadership of 
the generations on earth right now, but also they know their responsibility for the future generations. That's the winks and the emerging elder stuff that I'm holding point for now as well. The difference between being a leader and being an emerging elder or an elder, mm-hmm. just a slight different consciousness shift to how we hold the generations. So yeah, my, my journey and my challenges and tensions inform where I take the world. Um, but often also, it's not just that I, um, try to solve the problem. It's also that that just naturally by being in the hardness of the grief and the hardness of the shame, the hardness of the isolation, just in that field of heart challenge and tension, often that's where I find my greatest gifts. You know, like in the last couple of years in the in the isolation of COVID times and pandemic times and um, or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. um, well, anyway, there was isolation. That was a fact. I was, I spent a lot of time, just me and my partner at the time in a five bedroom uh, country town house on a hundred acres, just away from everyone else, you know, like a lot of the time was spent in the distance. Um, but in that time, I learned to play the didgeridoo. In that time, my poetry deepened. In that time, I, I lit candles way more than I put lights on. And so I, there was just some remembering within the isolation. And I think this is the case for all of our wounds or challenges, is that within them, there's a remembering. Um, and so now I get to bring um, those rememberings out here as well, like remembering poetry, remember poetry, remember candles, you know, I'm, I'm like standing for it in the field, remember poetry, remember candles, remember, um, and this is one of the groups that we've just formed recently is an earth altar group where, where I think we've got in, the, in our first month, I think 2,200 people have joined from oh, all over the world. And I think amazing. we're amazing. Yeah, we're close to five in the first like six weeks, 500 altars being made like so just altars being um we call them earth altars and they are the invitation essentially is for people to go out and make art on the earth with mother nature with sticks and twigs and leaves and sometimes people use rocks or they they bring crystals or it can be as woo woo or as simple as anyone likes you know on the woo woo scale people can like create portals that are like prayers of intention of change and they seed it into the geometry of the earth altar and it's like creating a spell on the earth boom you know love change boom there it is on the earth and at a at a more simple level it's just getting our hands dirty and getting our hands into the matter of nature and touching twigs and having a reason we need reasons you know we need context that's what culture is and in the west we've lost our culture a bit but culture gives us context the context of go out and get your hands on twigs and leaves and sticks and rocks and, and make a shape in the ground and just be with the earth and be with the twigs and the sticks for a bit. And just and something happens when we turn our gaze in that direction, when we get our hands a bit dirty, something happens inside us. Um, and so, yeah, well, there's a group, there's 2,200 people in it. Um, we've created 500-ish altars, earth altars, all around the world, India, Costa Rica, uh, North America, Taiwan, Australia, the UK, Scotland, Wales, Germany, Russia, you know, there's just altars landing all over the world. And um, it's like I said at the beginning of this, of this chat, it's, um, it's both a beautiful project on its own and at the same time it's part of this wider learning of how to dream together. You know, how do these beings all over the world 
cast spells into the earth or put, put their prayers into the earth. And uh, it's just asking, it's like a line of inquiry as well that, that teaches us how to do beautiful things in this world. And you know what? It's not, you know, the, it's not as big a jump as we think from, from 500 altars all over the world to 500 stone circles all over the world. And right. I'm, just, I'm just intrigued about that. I'm intrigued about that space and what's possible. Yeah, and that's so awesome because for me, each of those 2,200 people and 500 altars are just energetically connected. And, and you know, yeah, again, I'll just continue to go back to that. You know, we we are all made up of the same thing. Doesn't matter whether you're a stick, a rock, a human, you know, a bird, a dog. Doesn't matter. We actually, when you break it down, we're all made of the same thing. And it's effectively something like 99.9997 of that is air. <laughs> and it's just lots of lots of these little things vibrating really quickly that gives us a perception of me as a human and that is a dog and this is a tree and everything else because that's how we collectively see things. And so we have the ability to collectively change the energy of how we see things and how we come out the back. And to you, to you, you know, I think you've touched on a couple of times, what I feel has happened in the last few years, and this is what I, you know, my perception uh, around things. And, and so, you know, for what I'm feeling is real for me is that the universe itself is the great guider of all of us, you know, call a creator and, or whatever person that you want to put on top. But ultimately, you know, the events had to take place because we were getting sicker and sicker and sicker as a world and as an energy source. And, and that was doing us damage. And and so something had to come in. Now, whether you want to point, to, whether you go, that was a bad thing from an illness point of view, whether you go, that was an evil thing from a whole lot of, you know, warlords that have got the secret sect going together, Wh- whichever angle and rabbit hole you came from. For me, it doesn't make any difference. It's about the fact that we got a message very clearly from a universe around overpopulation, overmaterialization, overconsumption, and we were slowly destroying it. And there's an awakening out of the back of that that's taking place, which is around, do I really need all these things? Do I really need to operate this way? Um, do I Have I spent two years, I was energetically and emotionally disconnected. Then I got physically disconnected, and that, that was the thing that frightened the shit out of me. Now I'm realizing that I have to come back and find a way to reconnect with people again and actually build these, as you said, moving out of the Piscean into, into the Aquarius is around, you know, going from the single, I'm okay on my own and I can do all this to, hey, actually, maybe I needed to start to reconnect with people and see them face to face and have a greater, have some gratefulness for the fact that we can get to touch and feel and, and be with other people. And, and, and I sort of see, you know, that there is some great stuff that's going to be happening moving forward on the basis that we still continue to have faith in the fact that we need these altars and we need these we need people to connect and if you if you call it woo woo and you go these people are weird and these people you've listened to this and everything else it's my question is what is your limiting belief system that's actually creating you to have that thought process like what what education system what family system what background has led you to go I, I'm just so against this or I don't believe in it. Why would you not believe in it? Why could it not be true? And, and really do some deep inquiry as to where that is and then reach out to someone who does 
have an openness to it and inquire of them. Why are you so open to it? Were you always that open? And you'll find most people went through a process where their heart got open, the armor got cracked open, and they started to see there is another op- opportunities out there. So, can I speak into that for a moment? You please do. Yeah, I feel I feel like a really important point in the journey of it all is is uh, when we get to, and we I think we should get to this point over and over again in a lifetime as well. It's a point where we ask ourselves, what's the worst that could happen? You know, like when we go, what's the, okay, what's the worst that could happen if I jumped outside of my existing reality for a moment or if I, you know, I fully immersed myself in something different, you know, and it's, it's, it's fully across the board in all directions. Some things are going to raise us up. Other things are going to be like, nope, we're not going there again. Um, but I think that there's this common thread of getting, stuck in our own ways or stuck in our own world or stuck in our own limiting beliefs, our own thought trains, our own, we kind of almost imagine an ecosystem in our world, a cage of our own minds. And um, for me, you know, I've had had a few moments where I've, I've had to get to, I've had to get to, and I've let myself get to, what's the worst that could happen if I did this thing that I had made wrong or I had made thought they were crazy or I, you know, I thought that that was uh, silly or something or, or, you know, an example of that is like sitting with shamans and sitting in ceremonies and I'd made that wrong a lot of my life, but in sitting with shamans and medicine ceremonies, as an example, there was a remembering that happened inside me. There was a, there was a remembering of the world beyond the mind. That's what I kind of got to go, ah, hold up. I, you know, there's finally some support to get me out of this, this kind of like mind cycle that I'm in. Um, yeah. So I think that there's something really powerful about that moment of what's the worst that can happen. And I think that we, you know, this is what, if we're, if we're in an age where we're really, we're really working out. I like to think of us as like toddlers or teenagers. It's a transient transitional stage Mm -hmm. that we're in as a collective and as human beings. Um, it's, and so really the warriors of our age are the explorers who are prepared to hop outside of their limiting beliefs and explore beyond that, who are prepared to, to um, ex- put their bodies and their lives into a different space or into a different experience to see if that transmits something because we're exploring what it means to be human. And whatever we've been doing has created the world in its current form. So there's this kind of this invitation or the civilization anyway, there's this invitation to explore what it really means to be human because out of that, those learnings is going to come new civilization, is going to come, um, maybe one way you could say it is is more beauty, more sustainability, um, more working together, more, you know, a bit of a m- more mature humanity comes out of those explorations. So, yeah, when, when I got to what's the worst that could happen, it became an adventure because mm-hmm. I'm going outside of my own bounds, you know. I'm going outside of my own understanding to a place and that's what we need to, often to crack the cycle is to go into something that we don't understand or that we can't quite grab with our minds. Um, and, yeah, so that, that, that moment of what's the worst that can happen is a blessing. You know, I, just, I almost invite anyone who's 
in a and whether that's working with a, a mentor or a coach or or finding their way to ceremony or finding their way to elders or fires with other cultures or um, some, for some people it's finding their way to particular like spiritual or religious practice or just you know re- yeah whatever the beautiful moment is the revelationary moment it's finding their way to that space only happens outside of the ah, what's the worst that can happen and then the path begins the journey begins the adventure begins from there i i, I really love that and you know um for the people listening out there who've either know me personally or you know have got to know me, you know, if I was to label myself fifteen odd years ago, you know, cynical, alcoholic, carnivore, ignorant, you know, and, and that's just where I lived. You know, I had no completely shut down. You know, and and full just a big heavy armor wrapped around me. And and so, you know, now if people know me, you know, I'm now. Uh, hugger attending ceremonies going through you know doing energy healing like kinesiology you know and tapping into all of these things and you know and what's the worst thing that could happen to me oh my god the worst thing that's happened to me so far is i've just i am so in love with the world and so in love with everything around me <laughs> like I, I, again we you spoke about on the beach the other morning I, i'd gone for a swim and i was walking back along the beach and the way there's some clouds, but the sun just had shone down through the clouds and it was just, it was one of the most beautiful things. I mean, there's beauty everywhere, but it was just amazing. And, and I was actually just emotional about it. And my view was that if ever I needed a reason to think about a great creator and and how beautiful this earth is, like it was just there in front of me. And it was just, I just tapped straight into my heart. I just tapped. And as you said, I just felt it like there's the, the, it was the an energy being connection that that took place, not this physical my mind going, oh yeah, well it's the rays coming down because of the clouds and all these sorts of like uh, just you'd gone out of your head and into your heart and so yeah, so if anyone like trust me, it's possible. You've just got to you just let it go, slow let it go, and, and yeah, and and nothing definitely. Most cases, in fact, in every situation of mine, nothing bad has ever come out of anything where I've stepped into that new realm. That's for sure. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you've been very generous with your time today, Matthew, so I appreciate that. Um, as I wrap up, is there just something that you would like? I mean, I, I could grab multiple pieces out of this great conversation we've had, but is there something you'd just like to say, you know, and in particular men, because men are the ones with the harder shells and they wrap themselves up. So is there any particular message for men that you would say, hey, guys, just have a bit of a think about this as, as we're wrapping up? Yeah, yeah, just just what my it's what's on my heart at the moment, and it's what my journey is kind of guiding me towards. Um, and it's more it's more just that yeah, it's more of a question than a answer. Um, but the question is, what is the difference between being a man who was a leader and being a man who was an emerging elder, uh, being a man who was a leader and being a man who was a chief? Being a man who is who is a leader, and being a man who is truly, uh, rela- truly in relation with the community, and um, yeah, the difference between a man who is a leader and a man who is an emerging elder, and there's just something there. There's something. There's a remembering at a community, at a relational, at a family kinship level. There's a remembering of 
uh, custodianship and a responsibility and a mature manhood that hasn't been modelled to us very much in this world. And I feel that we are part of a gener- we are part of generations on Earth right now that are well. I mean, one one of the ways to put it is I believe that shortly we will have the first generation of something like initiated elders in, for the first time in five hundred years. It's the first generation of something like initiated elders that will be coming through. So the elders are going to have a voice soon. Mm. Like they're going to, they're going to be back in the communities. They're going to like the reverence is returning. And so, and as men, we are on our own path to having, to, to ripening our voice and ripening our wisdom and ripening our embodiment and coming just deeper into our manhood. And it's just okay to learn. It's okay to know that there's something more than what's been modeled to us in the world. And I just, I think it's such an adventure to, uh, to, to begin to explore uh, what it really means to be a man, what it really means to be love, what it really means to walk in this world um, as a mature man. Uh, it's been such a, such a extraordinary question I've been asking in one way or another since I was six years old. And um, I think I'm experiencing it changing me at a cellular level. And I'm experiencing, uh, I'm experiencing something in my being and in my body that feels like a kind of love that is a part of the human experience. I don't think we've, we've felt in our communities and our families and our tribes in this way for a very long time. And, um, yeah, I just love to invite the men to remember that love to remember this extraordinary depth of embodied love that we all have the like it's a it presents itself as a custodianship as a responsibility as a uh, but also as an innocence and and also as a a um, courage to not just be strong although yes but also to be open courage to be strong and open all at once and yeah that what what they they used to call it the soft belly and the strong spine soft mm-hmm. belly for men who have soft bellies and strong spines um, and that if we can remember that then i think that we are a generation of elders that will um, be very important in and just just in the great story of the human unfolding, you know, it's a, it, within this great remembering. Yeah, yeah. Soft belly, strong spine, journey well, brothers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just to link two things that you've said along the path into leadership versus eldership, and, and for me, and, and may correct if I if I get the interpretation wrong, but for me, it's a leader is probably looking at the current generations. An elder is looking at the seven generations ahead. So a leader is looking in the now, and yes, I can lead men and I can lead people today, but am I actually thinking, as an elder is actually seeing, what does the world look like for the next for the seventh generation? And then when that next elder comes along, what's the seventh generation? And I, and from from memory, that's really big in in the Lakota tribes and and that through North America, they're always going, you know, 
I, my legacy is for seven generations, not for for the now. And yeah, so thank you for that that message. I think that's uh, that was super powerful. Yeah, thank you, mate. I'll just add to that that it, to me, it feels like being connected to all that's been, all the ancestors, the entire family line. The moment you bring the ancestors and the family line into it, and you really think we really think, oh no, we're like we're kind of the arrow tip of our ancestors. We are the living leaders of our family line. That, that's there's something in that. There's something that like goes back to the very beginning in that. And then, like you said, like custodians of of the future. So we're listening to what's been, being, and we're being led by that, guided by that, but also infusing our own souls and the and the things that have never been into the moment as we move forward. What what we need to do is definitely listen backwards as we move forwards and be custodians of the moment and also. You know, it's like you said, seven generations down the track. And that is the emerging elder for sure. That's the elder. That's the the one that like they, they rest into the moment and they are there as a representative of all that has been and all that is yet to come. Awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to close out on that because there's nothing I can add into, add, into that, add into any of that at all. So, Matthew, thanks for your time today. I've It's everything I thought this chat would actually be. You know, as I said, I've I've never had a chance to actually meet you. This is our first chance to have a bit of a chat. I've I've been witness to you know this journey over the few years because again, part of my opening up was then opening up to a different group of people that I would not normally have connected to in in my previous world. And you know, just watching how everyone goes and what they're doing just continually inspires me. And yeah, that question about you know what harm could come of this or, you know, what could be the worst could come out of doing this. It's just a great thing because I see what you're doing. I'm like, cool. There's a, there's a man that I'm just being inspired by. He's living in his truth. He's honoring who he is. And in, by doing that, that's like, cool. That's to almost not that I need permission, but it provides permission for, for other men to go. I can also stand into that space. And I think, you know, the more men like yourself who, truly do show that as there's words and then there's actions and and i see the actions all the time so i've loved the chat it's been awesome um you take care of yourself my brother you keep doing this solid work i'm really looking forward to staying connected with you and seeing where this where you continue to emerge as, a, as an elder um you know for for your tribes and, and for other tribes that there as a move forward so um, have a great day and we'll definitely uh, be chatting to you again soon thank you mate till next time cheers bye Hey all, so um, that was such a great chat. Like I absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was just an awesome, awesome chat. So um, yeah, if, if you're looking to catch up with Matthew at any point in time, uh, you can definitely just search for Matthew and Liam Gardner um, on any of the social media. Um, I do notice um, most of his stuff's over on Facebook. He's probably not as active on um, in, um, Instagram, but certainly over on Facebook, but yeah. Reach out to him if you, you know, if you are inspired to go and create one of, you know, the 501st, the 502nd, you know, the 727th altar. I'm sure he'd love to have you part of the tribe and, and creating these altars around the world. So uh, jump on and reach out to him. So that's going to be a bit of a wrap for us today. Um, I'm just going to let you go. I would suggest it's an episode to go back and listen to twice because there was so much deepness within that. Um, go back and go back over it again. And I certainly will be doing the same. So I'm going to wrap up. That's episode 58 of the Unearthed Man podcast. This is Stephen sending you much love, care, and peace. Have a great day.